This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the internet at www.ri.ro, Channel 1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and other social media platforms. Our programs are also available on TuneIn, Radio Romania International 1, and in Europe via satellite Utilsat 16A on 11,512 MHz, vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east. We wish you good reception conditions. Welcome, I'm Mihaila Ignatescu with the news, the headlines. The 2024 state budget and social insurance bills enter parliamentary debate on Monday. The city of Timisoara in western Romania is commemorating the victims of the 1989 anti-communist revolution. And Prime Minister Marcel Ciolacu reiterates that Romania supports Israel's efforts to release all hostages kidnapped by Hamas. The 2024 state budget and social insurance bills enter Parliament debate in Bucharest on Monday, the two draft laws being analysed by the specialised committees. On Tuesday, the two chambers will start the debates in joint session. The final vote is expected on Wednesday. The Romanian government approved on Thursday evening the draft laws on the state budget and the state social insurance budget for next year. In 2024, the executive relies on the absorption of European funds and counts on increasing the collection of fees and taxes through a better functioning of the National Agency for Fiscal Administration and of the Customs, as well as on reducing tax evasion. Prime Minister Marcel Ciolacu, the leader of the Social Democratic Party, spoke of an increase in revenues from 27% to 30% of the gross domestic product. He says that in the 2024 budget, the sums allocated for investments, but also for education, are the largest in the history of Romania. The opposition claims, however, that the budget is based on unrealistic figures and a major problem next year will be the payment of pensions. It is a day of mourning today in the western city of Timisoara in memory of the heroes who lost their lives during the anti-communist revolution of December 1989. December 17th is the day when dictator Nicolae Ceausescu ordered the repression forces to open fire on the demonstrators. Today, memorial services are held in churches and at the Metropolitan Cathedral of Timisoara, and wreaths are laid by local authorities and revolutionary associations at the monuments dedicated to those who sacrificed their lives for freedom. Saturday was an open gates day at the Museum of the Revolution Memorial Association in Timisoara. There were also exhibitions, concerts, a festive meeting of the city council and a march in memory of the heroes. 
The revolt against the communist regime in Romania broke out in Timisoara on December 16, 1989, and then spread starting December 21st to Bucharest and other cities across the country. In total, over 1,000 people died and around 3,000 were injured in the fighting that took place in the only country in Eastern Europe where the regime changed to place violently. Romanian Prime Minister Marcel Ciolacu has stressed that Romania is with the international community in supporting the efforts of the State of Israel to release all the hostages kidnapped by Hamas. The death of the 27-year-old artist Inbar Haiman, killed by Hamas terrorists, deeply saddened me. My heart goes out to her family and friends, he wrote on social media. According to the Prime Minister, negotiations to resolve conflicts are the viable solution for restoring peace and security in the region. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Bucharest announced on Saturday the death of another hostage with dual citizenship, Israeli and Romanian, in the Gaza Strip, and the Embassy of the State of Israel in Bucharest announced her identity. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs communique reiterates the need for the release of all hostages in the Gaza Strip and emphasizes that currently only one Romanian with dual Israeli and Romanian citizenship is still a hostage there. The Romanian embassy in Tel Aviv is in permanent contact with the Israeli authorities. And that was the news from Bucharest, Radio Romania International. Now for a brief announcement about Radio Romania International's annual survey of its listeners and internet and social media users to find out the 2023 Personality of the Year. And this has been no easy year, with the Russia's war in Ukraine continuing, energy prices rocketing, many parts of the world suffering food shortages and, not least, with global warming, causing what was probably the hottest year on record. On top of all this came the conflict between Israel and Hamas in the Gaza Strip. In this difficult year, which international public figure, in your opinion, has had the strongest positive impact on the world and why? Radio Romania International will designate its Personality of the Year based on your nominations, which you can submit together with a short justification by posting directly on our website in a comment to this article at www.rri.ro, by email at engl at rri.ro, on our Facebook page, on Instagram, WhatsApp at 0040744. 312650 text or audio or by fax at 0040-21319-0562. We will announce the Radio Romania International Personality of the Year on air and online on Monday, the 1st of January 2024. We are looking forward to receiving your nominations, so please get in touch. This is Radio Romania International Broadcasting from Bucharest. Sunday Show Hello, I'm your host today, Diana Petrescu. In the previous edition of Sunday's show, we brought you the first part of a debate organized by Radio Romania at the European Parliament in Brussels as part of the EU plus EU 2024 and beyond project. 
With the finish line of this legislature in sight, I asked my guests, Elzbieta Bienkowska, former Polish-European Commissioner for the Single Market, Industry, Entrepreneurship and SMEs, and Chairwoman of the Center for European Policy Studies Board, Mercedes Bresso, MEP, Group of the Progressive Alliance of Socialists and Democrats, Nicolae Stefanuza, MEP, Group of the Greens, European Free Alliance, Olivia Serra Calvo, president of the European Student Think Tank, about the biggest achievements and challenges the EU had to cope with in a rather atypical term in office, when it had to deal with Brexit, the Covid pandemic, the war in Ukraine and the ensuing energy crisis, among others. Some of the significant obstacles were also widespread labour shortages, persistently high prices or burdensome administrative requirements. We have also talked about some of the big achievements of this legislature, among which defending European peace, investing in Europe's prosperity, regaining energy independence and ending dependency on Russian fossil fuel through Repower EU, building Europe's societal resilience, EU measures for young people not in education, employment or training. Further steps should further be taken, and the goals of the EU include a European Green Deal, the European Wind Power Package, 2040 Climate Target, Initiative for Water Resilience. Also, a Europe fit for the digital age, EU Space Law, Strategy on Space Data Economy, Initiative to open up European supercomputer capacity to ethical and responsible AI startups. An economy that works for people, EU Biotech and Biomanufacturing Initiative, Advanced Materials for Industrial Leadership, Initiatives on Rules on the European Works Council, Promoting our European Way of Life, Extension of Temporary Protection for People Fleeing Ukraine, Action Plan on Anti-Drug Trafficking, including European Ports Alliance, Update the Legal Framework and Strengthen Cooperation to Fight the Smuggling of Migrants, Joint European Degree, a new push for European democracy, communication on pre-enlargement reforms on policy reviews, recommendation on integrated child protection systems, and last but not least, a stronger Europe in the world. My guests expressed their views on this aspect, namely a stronger Europe in the world, in the second part of our debate, which we invite you to take a listen to. I think there is a technical point which is very important. The shared competence in the European Union means that the European Union can decide what are its competencies and the rest leave to the states. I think that giving a competence to the European Union, the state should decide what are the part of the European Union and the rest is of the state. So it can be acceptable, more acceptable, for example, on health. It's clear that we need a shared competence, but not all the else can be transferred to the European Union. So we have to improve the competencies, but having clear that what we leave to the states is untouchable from the European Union. This is important because in a federal, quasi-federal, confederal state, we need to be very clear about the competencies and to avoid the idea that we can go always a bit more. Otherwise, it's perceived as a kind of imposition from the European Union. So I think that we should discuss 
about this to clarify what we want, to have a strong representation on the very important things, foreign policy, defense, strategic industrial policy, strategic environment activities and policy, to speak with one voice when we go to international negotiation, but also to leave the states their competencies. If you look at the Two examples, a small one and a big one, the Switzerland and the United States of America, the competencies of the states are very important, very strong, and defended by the states. It's not that the federal state can do what we want, but the external representation is one, and the voice is one. The United States of America means this, but the states are there. There is fear from our state to lose this sovereignty. They will not lose. They will transfer to themselves, because we are always together. We transfer what is impossible to manage actually at a state level. Malta can't have a foreign policy, but also Germany can't have a foreign policy, because it's not important for the rest of the world. So I think that we have probably the parliament avoid this discussion about the demand to change the treaties. And perhaps could be an idea for the next legislature to try to explain better between us and to avoid to have Polish against, uh, Romanian against, uh, because they lost uh, Romania voted against. I think it's not in their interest, but uh, it was not clear for them what we were voting for. I just want to say that as we discuss the security, the competitiveness, the industry, whatever, the education, health, for us it's clear that it's better to be together. But you know, and we must know, that it's a very sensitive issue in many member states. Very sensitive. And if you mention federation, oh my God, it's a furious, you know, attack. Let's start with the education. Let's not talk about the federalization of the European Union, but let's talk how to better and smoothly work together. I think we should start with this, because if you start with, you know, comparing EU to the USA, in Poland it's done. It's done. It's no discussion at all, unfortunately. That's why we need to really show people what it means to be together and to work smoothly, not like the United Nations or OECD or whatever. I mean, those organizations who cannot decide or anything. Because United of different Nation, United States of America. No, no, but no, I said United Nations. United Nations. I, I said the no. organization who is not really able to find out yeah. any conclusive <laughs> resolution for any topic. So we must underline this is a sensitive issue in many member states, not in one I live in. I know, but the risk yeah. is small group of states. Go ahead. Yes, this is a risk. I wonder what the young generation would like the union. Yeah, I was going to say because actually, so I, like? yeah, it's been uh, a concern for the young people of like what is happening with the. Yeah. Are we like separating what is happening and actually one of the European youth hearings we mm -hmm. had it like a couple of weeks ago there was this idea mentioned that we need this common foreign policy that this is a concern for young generations of Europeans that this is something that they want we don't know exactly what shape that should be in but that's a discussion yeah. to go I agree with, yeah. with you that it has to happen later stage but first we need to know what do we want to do what's the goal uh, very going? practically exactly very practically because sometimes we get I feel like it's very common that in the parliament we get just distracted with all these technicalities but there's so many more things that can be done before that that can create and pave the way for you know better proposals or like really find a way towards that and this applies not only to common foreign policy also in environmental issues the green yeah. deal i think this is a bit concerned personally like this eco anxiety that it's coming up like this is something that that it's uh, a big thing also like after covid we see like uh, that this has affected a lot uh, young people also that the ones that studied during covid times you know it's a lot of different things that have impacted the young people and i think the stronger the eu is or the stronger that we portray ourselves at 
least. It is not a technicality, because you can't have a common foreign policy if Germany yeah. speaks what yeah. is voice, and France, okay, and Italy, okay, and Romania, okay. So we need to give this competence to the European Union. Mm -hmm. This means you can't not call federal, but means federalization, yeah. because foreign policy is the essence of a state. So if mm -hmm. you put together, it's no yeah. more to the state. This is the problem. So yeah, I for, agree, we, yes. for this, it's not a technicality. This yeah, is a, a fundamental choice. Indeed, but it's also like leading towards what uh, Elisabetta was saying, that basically a lot of member states get scared when you use certain terminology. So this is very political. Yeah. Mm. Yes. And there's things, I think, that can be done or assessed before we enter into how we want to call things. I think that's a technicality. Of course, in practice, it might be similar to this yeah. federation, like, uh, or whatever we want to make it. Call them Philippe is the exactly. same. Exactly. <laughs> but, but, but it's true that it's a terminology that then becomes, people get scared of discussing certain things. So let's stay away from that. That's what I would say. And try to work on what is the issue itself. Can I intervene? Oh, yeah. So right now in the country I come from, there's the term sovereignty, get back our sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And it's a wonderful word, I agree. It speaks <laughs> yeah. about self-rule, I'm empowered. But what is sovereignty in the world we live in? If we just yes. call it sovereignty, does it mean there won't be wars at our border that don't affect us? Yeah. Does it mean that the pandemic won't go through? Does it mean we won't trade with other nations? Does it mean yeah. we don't want to travel freely? What does that even mean, sovereignty, you know? It seems from the discussion that we're running away from federation or confederation, but I would run away equally from sovereignty. Right now, there's a big fake news in Romania that uh, we voted here against sovereignty, that yes, uh, exactly. EU it's law is more important than the national law, yeah. as if it's yes. some breaking news, because the whole union was built under the premise yeah. is that there needs to be a sort of hierarchy of rules, mm -hmm. yeah. otherwise yeah. their value is zero. But for many people, it's breaking news. They yes. didn't know. So we have to really go down and speak again normally, like normal people, yes. but also challenge this stuff that comes from the extreme yes. right, especially yes. That, yes, exactly. that makes it look like people are doing some underground new world order, I don't know what. It's going to be tough, but we have to really engage it. Sorry, if I may, also, I think in order to make that happen, to make people more aware and more resilient to this information or fake news, it's also important to give very a lot of attention to civil society organizations yeah. that can work on the ground, youth organizations, associations because they are the ones that are in touch with the people that are not in this Brussels bubble in yes. which we are in, right? And are not so aware of the things. So I think it's very important that we don't forget about the people that can do the work on the ground because I feel sometimes in the EU it gets a bit blurred, you know, and dissipated in a way. So I think it might be a good way to get that done. Yes. Exactly. I mean, and also the European Youth Event uh, that takes place every two years. Mm -hmm. That's also very like a, a way of giving uh, young people the, the voices, but giving like I feel this is very like at European level and we need to get into the local level. And that's, I think, the challenge that the parliament and also like the, the EU in itself is finding like hard to navigate, basically. It's that's true, but I think this is the most difficult question, mm. how to get, how to reach mm -hmm. out to the normal people with the European message. Mm. I mean, the European message, you live in a peaceful organization. Mm. In your country, you are a sovereign country. Mm -hmm. You are not united in Europe. You live in a peaceful environment. You live in a place in the world where everybody wants to live. This is the most prosperous and the best place to live in the world. That's true. European Union is such a way. Thanks to what? Thanks to this, that 
member states at the very beginning decided to share or to give away some part of their responsibilities to the common pot. That's it. I mean, this is as simple as this, but again, it can be used, as we said, as an awful and negative tool in the political discussion. And it's used because it's not true. We just want to live in, in the environment and in the part of land of Europe which is peaceful, which is prosperous, which is competitive, which gives a good life for our kids, for us, which is green, of course, which is clean, whatever. So maybe we can all fight for European sovereignty. We say we need more yes, European yes, sovereignty. Yes, yes. We wanted to you know, keep, to preserve our states, their history, their richness, course, their course, difference. We want to preserve so, but we need an European sovereignty. No, but this is difficult to explain. Very difficult to explain, but also for me it's difficult to understand this position because I'm very regional. So I always say I'm Silesian, Polish and European and it's in line. It's the same. I was president of my region. Yes, yes, Very attached to the independence of my region in their competences. Yes, exactly. Actually, we all want to build a continent where we can be who we want to be. Exactly. Yes. Special moments need special measures and why not special people. And maybe this is indeed Europe's moment to once again answer the call of history. Thank you all for accepting our invitation. The best of luck. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you very much. All to mask. And now we will let the music do the talking before taking a look at European citizens' growing interest in European elections. It's winter and I'm singing to you, says Mirta Banicu, a prominent singer in Romania, former vocalist of famous bands like Phoenix or Pasarea Colibri. Let's take a listen. Chudo e aproape 
You are listening to Radio Romania International. With European elections on the horizon, most Europeans say they would be likely to vote if European elections were held in a week's time. More exactly, 68% of the respondents of the latest Eurobarometer released in early December. 70% of EU citizens believe that EU actions have an impact on their daily life. Asked about the policy topics, citizens want European Parliament to prioritize the fight against poverty and social exclusion, 36%, and public health, 34%, as the main topics, followed by action against climate change and support to the economy and creation of new jobs, both 29%. Socioeconomic hardships still affect many Europeans. 73% of respondents think that their standard of living will decrease in the next year. Over a third of Europeans, 37%, experience difficulties paying bills either sometimes or most of the time. Most Europeans, 53%, wish the European Parliament to play a more important role, a majority view in 21 member states. The European citizens' growing interest in this election could be a sign the European Parliament enjoys citizens' trust, says European Parliament President Roberta Mezzola, who said upon the release of the Eurobarometer... In six months' time, between the 6th and the 9th of June 2024, European citizens will be called upon to vote in the European elections in order to elect their representatives in the European Parliament. It will be the moment where they decide in which direction the European Union will be heading in the years to come. That also means that there is less than six months left for the current European Parliament to deliver on some important legislation relating to our economy, migration, the Green Deal, health and the defence of democracy, just to name a few. Throughout these past five years of legislature, we have been listening to our citizens. And as confirmed by the Parliamentary published today, Europeans have been asking the European Parliament to prioritize the fight against poverty and social exclusion, public health, action against climate change, to support the economy and the creation of new jobs. European citizens have also been asking us to defend EU values, such as democracy, the protection of human rights and the freedom of speech and thought. And the European Parliament has delivered. We are leading globally with the new Digital Services and Markets Acts, and we have adopted our position on the world's first comprehensive pro-innovation artificial intelligence act. We have strengthened Europe's autonomy with the CHIPS Act. We ensured vaccines for all during the pandemic. We disentangled ourselves from Russian energy. And after years of deadlock, we managed to adopt the Women on Boards Directive, a directive on minimum wages and legislation for equal pay for equal work. When we were called upon to support Ukraine, we did, with financial, political, humanitarian and military support. And we were the first institution to call for Ukraine to receive EU candidate status. In the next months, the European Parliament will continue to work hard to conclude its legislative files and to further deliver on all of these issues. This Eurobarometer also shows that Europeans value EU membership especially in this difficult geopolitical and socio-economic context. Six in ten citizens say that EU membership is a good thing, and over seven in ten believe their country has benefited from being a member of the European Union. 
The main reasons cited by this survey's respondents are the EU's contribution to maintaining peace and strengthening security and the improved cooperation between countries of the Union. Six months ahead of the election, it is important to note that 70% of Europeans say that EU actions have an impact on their daily lives. The results of this parliamentaire show that both interests in the European elections and the likelihood of voting have measurably increased, specifically when compared to five years ago. Results that are very encouraging and support us in our efforts to increase voter turnout, which is important because democracy can never be taken for granted. In June 2024, let us protect and preserve it by casting our vote. The President of the European Parliament, Roberta Metzola. As regards the Romanian respondents, 7 in 10 Romanians believe EU membership has a positive effect, while 6 in 10 Romanians say community institutions directly impact their lives. According to the Eurobarometer, over 50% of the Romanians see EU membership as a positive element. Despite a slightly lower confidence rate compared to the EU average, Romanians know when the upcoming European Parliament election will take place, which is over June the 6th and 9th, 2024. Time is up. Thank you all for choosing our company today. We leave you with Mirabela Dauer with an oldie but goldie in Romania. I am Diana Petrescu. Thanks for listening. listening to Radio Romania International. Coming up next in today's broadcast, it's All That Jazz, with me, Ana Maria Popescu. Today's installment is devoted to the guitarist and composer Capriel de Deyan, who unfortunately died on August the 22nd, 2022, but who would often celebrate his birthday, December the 19th, on stage. For starters, here he is with one of his own compositions, a piece called Sude Sude, the Armenian for Lies Lies. <laughs> ¶¶ 
jazz guitarist and composer Gabriel Dayan made his debut at the age of 16 in a quartet led by his brother, the saxophone player Garbis Dayan, with Mario Dumitrescu on bass and Tudi Zaharescu on drums. In the 1980s, Gabriel founded his first band, a jazz rock quartet, and later on he joined a band set up and led by the composer and conductor Alexandru Vilmani. We go on today with Christmas Time, written by Gabriel de Dejan and performed together with his own quartet in 1982. See my childhood far apart Here's a 
And we go out today with another wintertime piece written by Capriel de Dejan and entitled Guitarist Song. Thank you. 
Coming up next on Radio Romania International In the Spotlight Welcome everyone, I am Vlad Palgu. Last week's event in the spotlight was the UN Climate Change Conference hosted by Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. On this occasion, world leaders called for increased and rapid global action to keep the global temperature rise within 1.5 degrees. On the sidelines of the conference, heads of state and government highlighted opportunities that ambitious climate action brings for the planet, the global economy and the people, and the importance of ensuring a just transition towards sustainable climate-resilient and climate-neutral economies and societies that leave no one behind. Representing Romania was President Klaus Johannes, who said our country has one of the lowest carbon gas emissions per capita at EU level and is firmly committed to accelerating measures to curb the effects of climate change through a mix of renewable and nuclear energy. Romania seeks to reduce its carbon footprint by 80% by 2030 and then move swiftly to become climate neutral, the president added. On the sidelines of the climate summit, Romania joined the International Solar Alliance, a coalition of countries committed to promoting solar energy. Our country aims to install 8 gigawatt of solar capacity by 2030, which would represent 24% of its final gross electricity consumption from renewable sources. Here is President Klaus Johannes addressing a joint press briefing. I'm very glad that Romania joins the International Solar Alliance today. This shows Romania's firm commitment to become a carbon neutral country, also by using renewable sources of energy. This important decision will increase the energy security of our country. I also want to express my appreciation towards the other International Solar Alliance steering group member countries, Australia, the UK, and the United States of America. I'm sure that by joining the International Solar Alliance, Romania will have a broader and deeper cooperation with India too, the host of the Alliance Secretariat, as well as with other countries interested in accelerating climate change mitigation. Romania aims to scale up its solar energy capacity and enhance national access to solar power at affordable prices. For this, we also need to cooperate at global level through alliances like this one on solar finance, technology development and capacity building. The accession to this alliance will support Romania in implementing its ambitious solar energy targets included in the National Energy and Climate Plan. By 2030, Romania aims to have installed more than 8 gigawatts of solar energy capacity representing 24% of the gross final renewable electricity consumption. 
The commitment of Romania to increase its installed solar energy capacity is fully aligned with the EU solar energy strategy and will help deliver on the Paris Agreement. A greater climate ambition also translates into more opportunities for our economy and for our citizens. Romania plans to contribute to the global value chain of solar energy and to enhance its competitiveness in this industry by leveraging Romania's current manufacturing capabilities in related products. Romania's citizens are open and supportive towards new electricity generating technologies. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Intern Energy Minister Sebastian Burduja outlined the main energy projects designed to boost Romania's energy supply capacity, which are to be implemented in both the public and private sectors. Indeed, Romania has the largest solar potential in Southeast Europe. Study after study proves that we could exploit up to 18, maybe 20 gigawatts of solar power. And the entire sector has seen a tremendous growth in recent years. In fact, we have European funds allocated to developing solar energy. We have over 460 million euros under the Recovery and Resilience Facility, and we were meant to build 950 megawatts. With the same budget, it looks like we will build 2,000 megawatts, meaning that the private sector has responded, and with a little bit of help from government, from grants, they've come in and we will uh, accelerate vastly. We have 1.5 billion euros under the Modernization Fund. It's another source of grant funding. And of course, we have under preparation in the final phase, the contracts for difference. It's a financing scheme, a state aid scheme that will build an additional 3,000 megawatts by 2025. So a lot of hope and Mr. Director General, Less than a month ago in the ministry, we announced a campaign, a nationwide campaign called uh, Energy for Life, Let's Turn on the Light. It targets over 50,000 households that have never had electricity. And we hope to rile up the private sector, civil society in a nationwide campaign to make sure that no child has to study by the candlelight in Romania. Once again, I want to thank everybody who contributed to this. And uh, I do want to reference Helen Keller. I think she said that uh, if you keep looking at the sun, you will never see the shade. So today's event truly is looking at the sun. There are no shades upon it, and we have a lot of work to do together. The Director General of the International Solar Alliance, Dr. A.J. Mather, outlined the specific areas where Romania can benefit from the guidelines and best practices used at the level of the ISA, highlighting business models and training programs in particular as two of the most promising vistas for cooperation. When I look at Romania, very clearly we are looking at addition of solar, both for providing electricity to those who never had it, and to replace electricity supplies to those who are getting it, particularly in urban centers. We will work with you, for example, to create requirements for round-the-clock electricity. Solar makes sense, wind makes sense, storage makes sense, hydroelectricity makes sense. Though as the president very correctly pointed out, there are times of the year when 
hydro is not available because of the cold temperatures and the freezing that happens. We will work with you on the kinds of requests for proposals that can happen. We will similarly work with you on providing electricity to those who have never had it. We now, and a few months ago, we published an assessment of the fact that solar plus batteries at a very small level, up to two megawatts, is cost more cost effective than extending the grid, especially if the grid has to be extended over terrain that is difficult to extend or on flat terrain for more than 10 kilometers. We believe that solar mini grids provide the best, the most cost effective way of enabling provision of electricity. One of the key challenges in all of this is business models. And as you very rightly said, capacity building becomes a key. We will work with you on that. We are working in several countries across the world on capacity building. My colleague Oni, who is here, has been spearheading regulatory training programs. We would love to see how we can work with you on these programs, hosting them in Romania for countries, from, for third countries as well. And finally, we look forward to work with you on the basis of seeing what needs to be done. My colleague Hugo Morales would be the key person who will be working with you on all kinds of associations that we will need for solar to take off in your country. That was Dr. A.J. Mather wrapping up today's In the Spotlight. I am Vlad Palku. See you next time. Focus on Romania. Coming up next on Radio Romania International. Simply Folk. Welcome to Simply Folk. I invite you to listen to a dance song performed by Pamphil Roata. Joc mai gospodari, ca stai jocuși el mare, ca stai jocuși el mare, măi. Dai acasă, la nopte ori la câșlești, la hore ori când botezi, la hore ori când botezi, măi. Da uite așa și la vatra focului, la sensura satului, măi. Și la mândra la pesit, la feciori înciobănit, măi. Căzi, măi! Joc voi gospodini, cam un joc și-am umit bine, cam un joc și-am umit bine, măi Dar iată așa, unde-i gospodina joacă, pe gospodar curge apă, pe gospodar curge apă, măi Dar uite
uite așa, este joc și nu mi rău, așa joacă neamul meu, bă. Este joc și joacă bine, gospodar și gospodini. Da zi, bă! Joc la joc picioare, că și eu vin repizoare, că și eu vin repizoare, măi Dă-i acasă, să nu zic că am eu neam, că de oră habar n-am, că de oră habar n-am, măi Dă uite așa, că așa mă învăța mășucul, că nu stau cu felul ducu Cozi și fetile în sat, când eu fost neam obitat, măi Picioră mușa muș, că mai faci și păruș, că mai faci și păruș, băi, dă-i acasă, dragi stare pe arcuș, că la joca mușa muș, că la joca mușa muș, băi. And with that, our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. You can listen to our next program for Western Europe at 1800 hours UTC on 11.630 kHz in the DRM system. Listeners in Africa can receive our programs tomorrow at 1200 hours UTC on 21.470 kHz. We can also be heard on the internet at www.rri.ro channel 1. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl at rri.o. Goodbye.